welcome to episode 121 of Running Matters Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Hudfield, and today I have the pleasure of reconnecting with Mick Chapo Chapman and talking all things nutrition. Now, Mick is the founder of Chapo Health and Nutrition, uh, the founder of a new project, My Health Pledge, which we'll find out a bit about later. He's a newly newly formed 243 guy at Gold Coast Marathon, so we get to chat about his uh, exploits there and how he found the the step up to the marathon. He's also running Sydney Marathon next month, and so we'll talk about what changes he might implement leading into that race. One of the biggest reasons for connecting with Mick is uh, talking some nutritional points in the lead into Sydney Marathon and getting some detailed advice on what to do in the the weeks preceding, the carbohydrate load, the pre-meal, the breakfast on the day, uh, some some carbohydrate considerations in terms of our race day nutrition and what to do afterwards in terms of recovering. So some really detailed advice, some great research that mix all over. uh, And so we'll, we'll spell it out for the listeners in order to have a piece-by-piece piece sort of situation in terms of getting their nutrition right on race day. Nothing worse than uh, doing all the hard work and then having it all fall apart because of what we do or don't put in our mouths on, on the day. Before we get started, I'd like to thank our our sponsors, Ranella. Um, we'll have a chat to, to Sean about the ASICS Metaspeed Edge Plus along the way, uh, and, and thanks very much for their support for the podcast Without further ado, we'll get Mick on the line. Enjoy. Okay, welcome to the show. Chapo, how are you, mate? Good, Addy, how are you? Yeah, I'm well. I'm well. It's been a couple of years since we've talked. A few things have changed in the meantime. Big wedding for you. Yeah. How, how's life as a married man, mate? You let yourself go. Yeah, yeah, completely <laughs> let myself go. So, uh, no, it's it's unreal. I um, just came back from a honeymoon in Bali. So oh, yeah. Always good and... But um, yeah, trying to keep training up over there is is a bit intense. Just um, yeah. the humidity's sitting at ninety five and um, yeah, trying to get K's in. But did, did you run while you were over there? I or? did. Trying yeah. to train for Sydney Mara at the moment, so yeah. trying to keep at least some K's in the bank while I was over there, which um, I'm sure Alex was stoked with that I was getting up and going for runs. Um, Mate, you've got to earn your being tank somehow. <laughs> yeah, yes. exactly. I didn't come back with a singlet though, so I don't know if I'm a full fledged <laughs> barley. <laughs> participant I think, I think it's probably better to stay on this side of the fence <laughs> yeah. uh, that's good and so since we last spoke I want to talk about some changes I guess across Australia quickly last time I was really surprised to hear that 95% of Aussies aren't getting their five serves of veggies in a day do you think we're making some headway in that respect uh, the short answer is no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's uh, that's come from Australian Institute of Health and Wellbeing data. The yeah. last time we spoke, I think it was data from 2018. Okay. Uh, it's since been updated to 2023. Like every couple of years, they redo a lot of the, that um, large population-based uh, survey mm-hmm. uh, stuff. And uh, yeah, the needle doesn't move too, too significantly with, that, with those sorts of things. Um, so... Yeah, it's 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 a sad fact, but not a lot of people are getting their their two and five, two two serves of fruit and five serves of veggies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you go online and see all these different health hacks and things like that, it's like people need to start. If you're not having five serves of veggies per day, yeah. you should not be looking yeah. at all the other one percenters. 
So no, no amount of goji berry juice is going <laughs> to make up for a lack of vegetables in yeah. your diet. Yeah, I mean, it does help to a certain degree, but not to the extent that people are, are going on about it. All right, we'll talk about some myth busting along the way, but um, tell, tell me about your new project, uh, My Health Pledge. What's going on there? Yeah, it's something that I've had in the back of my mind for quite a number of years, but just couldn't really put my finger on like how to how to build it. Mm-hmm. Um, but my health pledge is pretty much a, a social enterprise to get people to get off their bum and go in to check to see, um, you know, whether it's to go and see a dietitian or it, mm-hmm. whether it's to uh, increase their serves of vegetables throughout the day. Um, it could be visiting a psychologist. It could be five more minutes a day of, of mindfulness. So. Uh, my health pledge was that push to go and get people um, to check in with a with a health professional, um, mm. because I think it's uh, off the top of my head. I think it's around about thirty six percent of all disease in Australia is preventable, mm-hmm. um, and of the deaths that we have, I think it's like ninety percent of them come from chronic health issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so the more we're doing in our twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, the better off we are. In our, in our later years and, and uh, one of the best examples, um, uh, my girlfriend just read a, girlfriend, wife, wife, wife used to yeah, it, I'm still, <laughs> <laughs> still getting used to that, um, I just read a, a book, I think it's called Outlived, um, mm-hmm. good, good book and I'll get into it um, at some point, but mm-hmm. it talks about like when you're in your 80s, what do you actually want to do? Do you yep. want to be able to pick up your grandchildren? Do you want to be able to walk the dog, play a game of golf? If that's the case, you need to be doing X, Y, and Z now in terms of strength building, um, uh, aerobic capacity building in order to do that when you are 80. So um, it's uh, my health pledge surrounds that long-term health stuff Mm. where it's not just what we see on the outside where we might think we're fit and healthy. Um, Sometimes those things come up and you're like, haven't seen a GP in five or six years because life gets in the way. Mm. Um, But COVID was a really good example of, uh, you know, reflection on our on our own health and our community health and um that's what my health pledge is kind of pushed to do yeah yeah great and so it's a bit of accountability across lots of different platforms as in i've seen you looking at sort of skin health and and different aspects not just dietary stuff yeah yeah for sure so i was it was a step back to say okay well everyone in the health space is really keen on getting people um you know fit and healthy um, but that preventative health measure isn't really talked about too much. Yep. Um, and whether you're a PT, whether you're a dietitian, whether you're a chiropractor, everyone can get around it and yep. say, hey, we should actually be talking about this a little bit more mm-hmm. and, and going to check in a little bit more. The worst thing that can happen from the skin check or going to see a doctor is thanks for coming. Mm. Everything's great. Yep. Um, you know, it might cost you a little bit of money, but it's it's way better to, to spend that up front now as a 50 or or $100 consult mm-hmm. um, than it is in five ten years time when you're uh, sick and you've you've got huge medical bills yeah, yeah. and like to say mate, many of these issues are largely preventable based on uh, just a couple of basic uh, changes I suppose you can yeah. make so yeah like say worth finding out at this stage yeah definitely how, how do the listeners engage with my health pledge to start with yeah, so individually, um, it's an online platform, so myhealthpledge.com.au or, mm. or through socials um, is, is the best bet. But it's around building that community um, understanding of it. So at the moment for August, we're actually trying to push people to 
chat to their family and go and get their family to make a health pledge because it's mm-hmm. it's dads, it's mums, it's aunties, it's uncles that possibly aren't aren't going to the GP or or going to get skin checks or um, psychology um, checkups. Mm-hmm. Um, from a different perspective, there is I I have stepped back in terms of the. Um, healthcare system and I understand that there are issues with the healthcare system so I do as a part of my health ple- pledge want to work with um, reorientating the healthcare system so we understand it a little bit better mm-hmm. so when people do make a health pledge individually online which takes two minutes um, they go and check in uh, with whichever um, health professional they, they want to mm-hmm. and then off the back of that, there's a couple of questions that say, what would you like to know more about your health or the healthcare system? And a lot of those things are around, like, what is the Medicare levy? Yeah, yeah. Um, you yeah. know, um, as, a, as an international who lives in Australia, like, what health benefits do I get? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just all, all information that we probably all assume that someone else knows, yeah, but yeah, we yeah. don't know ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Um, so trying to just demystify that healthcare system as well. So... Kind of multiple angles. Okay. Yeah. Oh, mate, it sounds pretty powerful for something. So yeah, hopefully you so want to build it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. unreal. Oh, I'm sure everyone will jump on board. We're all looking to uh, make our lives longer and more, you know, quality, I guess. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's I think it's 13 years on average we lived with poor health in our last in our last years, and mm-hmm. that's if we lived the um, the life expectancy, that's 11 percent of our life that we live in poor health. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That we have so much control over. Yeah. Oh, mate, no thanks. I want to be running, <laughs> running when I'm 80 still, so I'm going to jump on board. Still uh, pumping out UTA hundreds. Oh, mate, mate. Yeah, I don't know. maybe not UTA. We'll see how we go. It's going to be something more appropriate at that point. Um, so, yeah, oh, speaking of running, you've uh, you, you changed a bit in the last little while. Debut marathon on the Gold Coast this year, 243, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. around there. So Yeah. Um, yeah. Congratulations, great. mate. That's Thank good. you. Great, yeah. great debut. Um, yeah. How did you feel out there? Good, good. Uh, I think Gold Coast is one where you can just kind of set the metronome and um, tick off that pace, which I um, which I did mm-hmm. and, and I was happy with. Uh, yeah, I mean, I understand the principles of, of running and, and, and being a part of that environment or, or hurting. Like I've done um, plenty of marathons off the back of an Ironman or, or, yeah, yeah. or a couple of ultras, but... Um, Never signed up purposefully. Um, never really signed up for a road marathon because I do enjoy uh, racing a little bit more, which it comes with your uh, Olympic distance triathlon or your ten k or your five k. Mm. Um, so I've really enjoyed that, and uh, yeah, I, I just think it was time. I mean, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'll stick to them or not, but um, well, I enjoyed it. One of those things you can't do too many. Like if you enjoy the racing, you can't race yeah. a marathon that frequently. Yeah, I guess. exactly. Yeah. I would prefer to race every couple of months where you are, you are ripping in. You can't do that with a marathon. So. Yeah, no, 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 definitely not. And, and what, uh, I guess, what, what lessons would you have learned from that initial crack at it? Do you think you got it right or was there room for improvement there? Oh, I, I, I always relate different sports back to surfing where someone's looking for the perfect wave mm-hmm. um, and you could have almost the perfect race. Um, and I think that's the beauty of running or, or sports around endurance is that um, things can almost be perfect, but that's what brings you back to the sport. Um, I raced, uh, like from what I wanted out of it, I mm. raced quite well um, based on my expectations. Mm. Um, and so I wouldn't have changed too much. Um, I think going into it was 
a bit tricky, I don't know, with half of Sydney that flew up to Gold Coast with all the flights and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I kind of had a bit of a uh, respiratory um, issue, like just with my lungs were kind of just playing up. I don't know if I caught something, you know, at work or, or something. But, um, yeah, really, the, the day leading in was a bit worrying. Mm. Um, so I had a good chat with my pharmacist and was trying to figure out, like, which... Uh, where the line was with kind of, like, picked up a... Um, um, a puffer yeah, yeah, yeah. but then I was trying to figure out whether you know having a higher heart rate with the puffer mm-hmm. was worth it um, to be in the 100 and, you know the 185 plus yeah. category maybe in, in heart rate or whether it was worth the lungs being a bit too overdone okay. um, so I decided not to go with the with the puffer for the race day yeah. um, worked out alright but yeah, yeah. I'm sure I think a lot of people were actually um, had some sort of sickness coming into Gold Coast yeah. Said, yeah. it's a tough one July race, I guess. Yeah, yeah coming from Sydney, yeah, yeah. tricky. Yeah, that's an interesting one with the heart rate, though. So you, you had experienced, um, you know, that elevated heart rate with the the, the puffer. I've never used one. one before, really. Okay. Like I've never needed to use one. Um, okay. Had a chat to the pharmacist, but um, it was I used it uh, probably two days prior, mm. just on a run, and just real like I just felt. So I mm. ch- chatted to a mate who's um who's a nurse, and he was like, "Oh, this is probably why." Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. So it kind of makes sense, and obviously, that it's just good understanding, having a good understanding of your body, and then trying to check in with a health professional. Be like, mm. oh, that makes sense for that reason. Yeah, yeah ask the professionals, mate. <laughs> Don't just jump online. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> mate. I, I, I pulled a good quote from you uh, about about that race. So two hours of pulling on the reins and forty three minutes of embracing the suck. There, that was that was a perfect sort of summation. I thought. Mm. Um, how how do you go pulling on the reins? Do you, do you go okay? Uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed, um, sitting back. I, I think cause my pace was, um, very similar throughout that first probably 30 K. It was odd seeing people float in and out, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, people jumping in on, on my pace and then blowing me out of the water and then me seeing them at 35 K or, yeah, okay. you know, it's, it was just, I never, I, I never actually had a pack with me for, for mm-hmm. a solid 10 K. Yeah. Um, which I found odd at that pace. Because mm. um, you weren't with the 240 or the 250 group, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, I know that, like, I was kind of, in my head, I was like 240, but then um, with the sickness, I was like, oh, I'm not, I don't know if I'm there. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it was just outside that, that 240, but, um, yeah, who knows with Sydney. Yeah, so, yeah, moving on to Sydney there, um, any obvious approach change there for you or just hit the same paces? No, I don't, I don't think so from a training perspective, just in terms of getting volume in, mm-hmm. um, doing the right the right sessions um, in terms of a few interval sessions, decent long runs. Um, but no, nothing changes significantly, I don't think. Um, maybe a little bit more hills yeah, in okay. training. Um, a few more hills. I'm not sure what the elevation is for Sydney, but there's a bit... I don't know if it's bad, to be honest. I think a, a lot of people complain about the, <laughs> the elevation in Sydney, but it's, it's undulating. It's not a hilly course. That's right. It's, it's been interesting coming. I'm doing Sydney as well. And so, yeah, interesting chatting to, to marathon runners about what hilly is, you know. When yeah, you, when yeah. Coming from... Yeah, trail stuff. And, yeah, they do <laughs> it's almost hills, as a, that's for sure. Yeah, as a yeah, trail runner coming in. Where's <laughs> so the hill? <laughs> I guess at four minute k's, it is a hill. So, or whatever you're, you're running there. So, and so yeah, Sydney's going to be amazing by the looks of things. Yeah, fifteen thousand plus marathon entrance plus a sold out half marathon and a ten k. It's going to be a lot of people down there. Mm. 
how do you think they're going in terms of uh, pumping up the tyres to become a world major at this stage? I think it's great to see the buzz around different Sydney running communities. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess I've had a little bit of insight in terms of the, um, the way that the cogs work from the back end with um, some of the community engagement side of things, um, which has been really good. And I think people like Nick Youngquest are doing really well in that community space to get um, run, run, crew, run groups around Sydney um, engaged and, and on board with the marathon itself and, mm-hmm. and converting those people that maybe thinking about a marathon to actually go and do one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's really good to see the buzz, especially around Sydney um, with different run clubs. And I hope that converts to a great vibe on the day. And I, I just yeah. feel like it's going to be such a good vibe whether people are doing the 10K, half or, or the full. It's going to be a great day. Yeah, mate, I'm feeling really positive about it too. I think, uh, yeah, having that many runners across the Harbour Ridge will be amazing. So, um, and look, within that number, I imagine there's a ton of first-time marathoners putting in a bunch of training and work in the preparation for Sydney. So I thought we could look at a basic framework of nutrition for pre-race, on-race day and post-race. Because the last thing these guys want is for their, you know, their marathon to come unstuck because they got the nutrition aspect wrong. Mm. Um, and I understand that every runner is different and to really dial in on nutrition and hydration requires an individualized approach but I thought we could give the listeners a good place to start from and help them to avoid the pitfalls of getting it wrong from day one I guess mm. yeah there's, uh, there's a lot to unpack there I guess I always talk about the art versus the science and the, the science is the, the big chunk of what uh, as a coming from a basic nutrition premise that you can do and then the the art of it is then finding those basic principles and figuring out um, the nuance to you personally Mm -hmm. Um, but i think it's really hard to try and personalize things if you haven't started with the basics and and um, really done some trial and error in training and and Mm -hmm. things like that and and that's what it entails you need to do some trial and error um so in terms of uh, in terms of the basics, I think for, for uh, I would always kind of differentiate uh, week to week in terms of high quality um, energy density food and high quality um, nutrient value. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we often miss the mark in running with that and we underfuel. Yep. Um, and it is easy to underfuel, especially when your Ks start to climb around that 80 to 100 Ks a week. Mm-hmm. Um, so having a bit of an understanding of how we're underfueling um, and if we are, yep. um, but also getting that nutrient density as well. And I think some runners possibly do tick the energy density requirement, but don't tick the nutrient density. And, and, and that's kind of where we start to get sick or yeah. um, start yep. to f- really hit injuries uh, quite frequently. Mm-hmm is when we're not hitting nutrient-dense foods yeah, okay. um, week in, week out. So in terms of the basics, I'd, I'd look at week to week, what you're doing, and then um, it's a definitely a different approach as we start to um, as we start to lead into race week. Yeah, cool. Um, well, we'll, break, we'll break it down, I guess. So we'll start with some pre-nutrition kind of stuff there and see if we can yeah, give some, some framework to it. So... Most runners will be doing their last couple of big workouts, I suppose, in the lead up to City Marathon. It's kind of four weeks out at this stage, a month month to go. Um, how important is it to, to try what we're going to do on race day you know, in those big workouts? Huge, yeah. Um, 
I always say that you wouldn't use a brand new pair of shoes on race day. I mean, some people do nowadays because yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. the quality of it is quite high. But um, it's it's one thing that's overlooked so often that we're like, okay, well, I've, I know what I'm going to wear. I know how many Ks I've done. I know what pace I'm going to hold. I know who's going to be around me. Hmm. And you have no clue. Um the calorie or the carbohydrate density of what you're going to take in. If you're going to take in anything at all, you have no idea what's out on race course. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was one of the questions that I got today around, um, you know, what, how much to take on, on the race course. And it, it can be highly variable. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get into that for the um, fueling for the race. But yeah, yeah. in terms of um, uh, pre, pre-race, and this goes for... So the, the higher the intensity and the longer the duration the more important it is to be carbohydrate loading in the week um, leading in. Mm-hmm. And the research suggests that it's around 48 to 72 hours we can start to carbohydrate load, which is what most people think about carbohydrate loading is the past of the night before. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can significantly increase the muscle glycogen that we have leading into that race yep. um, before we wake up on race morning by carbohydrate loading properly. And carbohydrate loading properly... Uh, I use properly as a loose term. Um, <laughs> it's it's tough to do, mm. um, and again, this is a perfect example of the art versus the science. So the science um, suggests that to carbohydrate load, you need to be consuming ten to twelve grams per kilogram per mm. day yep. in the lead up. So for those three days, for a seventy-five kilo athlete, you're looking at uh, seven hundred and fifty. Grams, grams of, of carbohydrates, of carbohydrates mm-hmm. um, let alone all the other food that you're consuming throughout the day. Yeah, it's apart from fat. It's apart from yeah, yeah protein. Protein. Yeah, tough, tough to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we, I always think that we're either we're either in the know, we're either knowledgeable or we're not. Mm-hmm. And I would say for majority of people, they're maybe um, not knowledgeable about where that sits, and they're not getting close to that number at all. So. Mm-hmm. If you know roughly where that number is and you start to aim towards it, we're in the know. Um, and then we can kind of work off that. We can start to manipulate what that looks like. Um, I've done that for the last couple of big races that I've had and it's um, it's hard to do. So three days worth you've, you've yeah. had? Yeah, so three days leading into Gold Coast. Um, obviously had a bit of sickness there, but the nutrition strategy didn't change. Um, I think from memory I was up around three... 3,600, 3,700 uh, calories in the day, mm-hmm. per day, um, and that equated to roughly um, 600 grams of carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was me being very strategic and yep. um, loading up on, on carbohydrates yep. um, in all forms, and I still didn't quite hit the mark. I think for me, as a, I think I'm about 73, that's eight grams um, of carbohydrates per kilogram per day mm-hmm. so getting close but not quite there exactly yeah, yeah. um it worked for me and I, I knew that i was in a good good area mm-hmm. um but again if people don't know they might be hitting one or two grams per kilogram per day mm-hmm. and nowhere near that 10 to 12 um yeah. which is hard to get to yeah yeah for um, sure and i guess like in, in order to give the listeners a, a basic understanding of what that looks like what, what are you taking in for, for breakfast say so just one of those meals and one of those days what, what does it look like i think as we're leading into the race we want to be leaning away from high fiber foods and highly saturated fat foods mm. 
And then we start to move into more simplified um, carbohydrates. So that's more important the closer to race start we are. Mm-hmm. Um, but any form of carbohydrate in those three days is completely fine. So for instance, a breakfast for me would be pretty decent um, bowl of oats, um, milk, um, some fruit on top, some honey, mm-hmm. um, and and those are the those are the tricky. Sorry, that those are the like the I guess the tricks of the trade to kind yeah. of um, boost those carbohydrate numbers is, is Add honey to everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So those 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 things that you probably from public health um, and nutrition advice, you yeah. would I wouldn't ever say week to week. And that's why I'm saying separate weekly and race week nutrition. Cool. Yeah. Um, because when it comes to race day nutrition, you're starting to look at things like lollies, um, mm. honey, um, simple carbohydrates. White rice. White rice. White bread. Yeah. Yeah. And I always say simplify, like uh, think simple, think think kind of boring and simple because mm-hmm. your stomach is not going to be upset um, if you're having some sort of um, 10 vegetable vindaloo before, before <laughs> a race. Uh, <laughs> Avoid the vindaloo, write that down. Um, I love Indian food, <laughs> maybe just not before race. Like. Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> and so, yeah, just bowls of white rice, you know, sauces, just keep it yeah, very, yeah, very uh, sugary, very simple. Yeah, so one that I've used um, for a number of years now after uh, a race that I did at 9pm with a Red, uh, Red Bull event um, was... Uh, what was it? White, white rice, chicken breast, soy and honey. Yeah. That was it. Um, so just obviously cook the chicken and the soy and the honey. Mm-hmm. Pull it out, put it on white rice. Um, my guts were fine. I was well, um, you know, I had enough nutrition for that race. Yeah. Well, well, well uh, sugared, that's yeah. for sure. <laughs> and I guess the role of uh, liquid calories in that, that is important too. Yeah, because it's obviously hard to fill your stomach up with so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I mean, this is not an excuse to just go ham on, on every food in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, the, there is a creative license to have carbohydrates in all forms at, to get to that kind of 10 to 12 grams per kilogram, yep. if you can, or, or close enough there too. Uh, but it doesn't mean we're just like chowing down on everything that we see. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's possibly what people do on the, the night before where it's just like grab everything inside the mistake they make yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And i think yeah like i say you need to be quite strategic about what you're doing there because you don't want to drag along a bunch of protein fiber fat with your mm-hmm. carbohydrates so yeah you do need to pair it right back there and, and be simple yeah and i think it's just being yeah strategic or targeted to say okay what's the what's the purpose of what we're doing here and the purpose is to race well to be fueled well and to finish well mm-hmm. um and you know to a certain degree fats and more so proteins aren't necessarily going to help you um i mean fats do to a certain degree um but throughout that race carbohydrates going to be your especially if your intensity is above 65 percent mm-hmm. um carbohydrates are always going to be king Yep. Um, and I would argue that for most races, whether you're doing UTA 100 and you've got a hill here or there, or you're sprint finishing at the end of a Sydney marathon or something, you, there's always going to be a time where you're above 65% intensity. Yeah, and, and like I say, carbohydrates king, I like that one. That's that's perfect. And so we, obviously we throw all our uh, public health nutrition advice out the window for that two or three day carbohydrate load. Mm. But I guess prior to that... Um, one of the more common things that gets in the way of people performing at their best is, is getting sick in the lead into race day. Um, 
I guess what are some strategies people can employ and, and potentially some supplementation that they might want to look at in the, in the lead into race day in the, in the, the upcoming month? Yeah, so, um, and, and again, we're going back to that week-to-week nutrition for, you know, you're not going to be, and it, it, it's silly to be relying on simple carbohydrates for 12, 8 weeks prior to a, to a yeah. marathon because yeah. um, that's where your body just starts to break break down um, or, or, or you start to pick up an injury. But uh, I think our immune system is, like, well, not that I think it, I know that our immune system is very um, intricate mm-hmm. and there's a lot of moving, piece, moving pieces in that. The more we can support that, um, the better off we're going to be on race day and throughout training. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does have it does play its piece in how we feel throughout training. Um, and I would say in terms of the variables of, of your training day and, and what I talk to with a lot of my, um, I guess the people that I work with is, uh, what are all the variables in, in play? It's like, is today a hot day? How much fluid did I take in? How much food did I take in? Was I tired from the night before? Um, were my kids keeping me up? Mm-hmm. All these different things. And you, can, you can kind of start to narrow down that, okay, well, I was overtired for that um, for that training session. I was well-fueled, but I was, I was overtired. Yeah. So you can start to build a picture and go, okay, well, majority of the time or, or week in, week out, nutrition is my, is my downfall. Mm-hmm. Um, and then starting to narrow that margin for error to be like, okay, well, not it's not nutrition is my downfall. It is this specific thing or or this intake before I go out on a run um, that, uh, that that really isn't helping me out there. So, mm-hmm. um, But in terms of, I guess, our immune system, a long-term approach is always the best option. So getting enough sleep, yeah. um, having nutrient-dense foods and enough, enough I like feeling well enough mm-hmm. for, for our training sessions. Uh, what else am I missing? Being well hydrated. Um, I think stress comes into it a, a little bit there in terms of, of work, family life. So those things, again, are the big-ticket items. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we can start to look at if you're ticking those boxes and, and sleeping well, recovering well, um, and uh, I forget which podcast it was on. There's a, there's a great quote that said, "You're only uh, you're only recovering from the session. Uh, what is it? You're only benefiting from the sessions that you recover. That you from. can recover from. Yeah, yeah. which yeah. I think is a great quote. Yeah. Um, because you can train the house down, but uh, at what point does your body start to go? That's enough. Yeah, it's just a uh, it's a diminishing response sort of mm-hmm. stuff over time. And yeah. I think when we're adding in that, like you say, 80, 100 160 k's a week, yeah, whatever yeah. it is. That, that is just that additional stress that wasn't there before. So, yeah, we need to, like you say, support that immune system throughout that time because mm. we are under more more impact and more stress than Definitely. typically. So. Yeah, and there is a there is a high need for, for those micronutrients as well yeah. um, um, because we're obviously burning through a lot and they are, our system is, is needing that throughout mm. those um, exercise bouts. But So I, I did a post on, on this um, not too long ago in terms of like, whether um, vitamin C can hold off a cold. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I do these sort of posts, I, like it takes me hours sometimes to put, to, it together. <laughs> yeah. to put these together because it's like you don't want to be. I, I never want to put something out there that I'm just like, oh, I think like this is a bit of a throwaway line. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. So in saying that, um, what is it? It's. Uh, so vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, and echinacea mm-hmm. are the four things that have pretty promising um, results with the cold and, or cold and flu. Yep. Uh, it's not about... And all research was like alongside a, a solid nutrition um, plan or, mm-hmm. or a decent diet. But um, 
I think when it starts to come into those winter seasons to start to stock up on those, um, I guess, vitamin C and zinc is a pretty um, common combination in, yep. in, a, in a dietary supplement. Yep. Um, and it's, it's, it, we, we shouldn't be looking at these, again, it should be a long-term approach. We shouldn't mm. be looking at these to cure everything. I think, um, I think vitamin C has something like an 8% reduction in, okay. um, in a cold if you've been taking it for a number of weeks before you get your cold. Right. What people tend to do is get a cold, Take it, smash yeah. the vitamin C. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but 8%, if you've got it for a week, 8% is, you know, I, I don't know the maths on that, but yeah. it's kind of like half a day. Not so, a great deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In saying that, in, in training, yeah. if, you get, if you're feeling better a slight, you know, half a day earlier, that's probably a good thing. So it's not... Um, I don't like poo-pooing things too early Not as well. And okay. um, vitamin C and zinc, um, vitamin D and echinacea as well, but mm-hmm. have some good research okay. around um, oh, starving good. off that, that those colds and flus. That's good. Yeah, it's certainly worth... The, the downside is minimal, you know. So Yeah, and I would, I would always promote something that has either neutral effect mm-hmm. or slightly positive effect. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. yeah, love it. Mate, it's good. Mate, um, I'm guilty of this as well but as runners we do get a bit focused on the scales in the lead up to a big race what are some more useful and appropriate metrics that we can focus on to tell us that we are getting that training load and nutrition right yeah i think we undervalue how we feel mm-hmm. um at, at work or, or throughout training sessions where we might feel a little bit flat or um just something's off um and I can't remember the last time I weighed myself personally. Um, I just think as a society, culture has told us that what we weigh and how we look is is a huge um, performance indicator. Mm. And to a certain degree it is for certain sports, like you take basketball and height, like yeah. you know, some things make sense. For sure. Um, but we've learned in the last couple of years, especially from a nutrition point of view, that just because you're a lighter runner does not mean that you're a stronger or a faster runner. Mm. Um, so fueling correctly um, is is the way to go, and, and I'm glad that that's happening in the endurance space, and and, and even more so in the female endurance space. Yeah. Um, um, sorry, what was the what was the question? <laughs> just just things to look for that you know that aren't the scales in terms of oh, yeah. making sure we're getting this loading right yeah, versus yeah. our nutrition. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I wouldn't say. Oh, a really good point on that is that when we're leading into race week. There's kind of two things that happen if we're doing it properly. We reduce our training load, um, so there's not as much energy output, and then we should be carbohydrate loading in the last couple of days. So from a weight perspective, if you're just focusing on your race weight and you are a kilo heavier than you were two days ago, um, but you're well-fueled, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, Sure. So focusing on that, I know that there are... You know, race weight. People would prefer to be in a certain range, and a range is a better way of looking at it than a, than a specific number. Um, so that's how I'd go about um, weight. But as I said, I, I can't remember the last time I've weighed myself, and I've been training for t- currently two marathons, and um, it's it's more on feel um, and how you know. I know if I've had a poor sleep or if I haven't slept that well, um, or you know, if I've only had six hours or five hours, it's like. I need to pull my socks up in that regard. Yep. Um, 
It's got nothing to do with weight. Um, <laughs> just yeah, power output, pace, all that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yourself, so it's all that nuance in you know people love um, either training peaks or Strava where you can kind of if you're doing the consistent training week in week out and your Saturday is the same as last Saturday and you can go okay well the nuance of me running I don't know five seconds per k quicker and feeling better mm-hmm. that's a huge win and and people don't. Um, People don't necessarily give themselves a pat on pat on the back for yeah. for, for those kind of small wins. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. And there's very little value in looking at the scales when you're having those wins. I suppose you know, like it's, something's working. So just yeah, keep doing it. Yeah, exactly. Know? And like I mean, the difference in a kilogram on the on the scales could be, as I said, well, um, you know, well fueled or, or even well hydrated. Yeah. Um, doesn't mean that's right. Doesn't mean that we're um, doing anything wrong from a training perspective. No, no, exactly. Mate, over the last sort of decade, there's been a ton of buzz about intermittent fasting. Is there any room for this in a marathon runner's week, do you think? Um, I would say it depends on your goal, and I would always suggest that performance goals and weight loss goals are separate. Mm-hmm. Um, intermittent fasting is a tool in the tool belt of, of uh, weight loss um, or calorie restriction, it doesn't, at this stage in the research, it has no um, huge benefit outside of a calorie restriction diet. Mm-hmm. Super useful in that regard. Yep. Um, and I think that if, you know, if you're not a breakfast person and you wake up and you have your, you distribute your calories throughout the day um, differently to, say, me who loves breakfast, mm-hmm. um, that's completely fine. We shouldn't, no one should be um, dogmatic in the way that we look at um, different nutrition strategies. Um, but that's kind of where uh, it ends. Mm-hmm. I think, again, uh, performance and weight loss should be two separate goals. But if you are a year out from a marathon and you are want to drop 20 kilos and race at a different weight, mm-hmm. that may be a strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are a seasoned runner um, that potentially needs to feel right, is that the right thing for you? Maybe not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would always look at and a lot of these diet trends, there's half truth in them, and they're quite useful when they're used right. Uh, and but a lot of the benefits are sometimes blown out of proportion. You're like, hang on, just pull the reins in a little bit because um, it's useful, but you've 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 really blown it out. Yeah, and I guess when it comes down to it, we still need to be fueling that amount of work that we're doing. So uh, regardless of the timing, you still need to have that calorie intake to. Yeah. To, to not get sick and to not fall apart, I yeah. suppose. And there's always, I mean, there's some use, and this is getting a little bit um, into the weeds, but there is some use in being what's called fat adapted, mm-hmm. um, which is being low in the carbohydrate space for one or two sessions a week where they're very low intensity um, because it's not a switch between carbohydrates and, and, and fats and your body just kind of uses those fuels um, where they can. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, being being super fasted or being in a um having a ketogenic diet being a runner uh i would always say to my response to that is like just because we can do something doesn't mean we should do something and Mm. that is a system that works like um being um using ketones or being in ketogenic um yeah being ketogenic yeah um I mean, that's a survival mechanism that if we're running out of fuel, we go, okay, let's switch this fuel source and now use this as a survival mechanism. 
which is a great. Um, I mean, our body Useful. is amazing. Useful yeah. if you're out in the jungle. I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but just because that system does exist, mm-hmm. um, does that mean it's beneficial for everyone? Possibly not. Yeah, and look. I don't think you could find a, a more carb-rich environment than a big city marathon where there's gels everywhere. So there's really no need for ketogenesis, in yeah, my yeah, opinion. Yeah, so yeah. just use those amazing carbohydrates out there on offer. Definitely. Mate, what, uh, what does a pre-marathon meal the night before look like for you? Um, I think it was Crowey got asked this about his... Uh, his Iron Man stuff I think it was Crowy but it's he said something to do with like I have lasagna <laughs> that's his thing and it said it was nothing to do with um, the carbohydrate content it was just the fact that it made him feel like he was at home and yeah. um, and I mean there's there's a lot of uh, mentality that comes with food and if we can put ourselves at ease with that sort of thing mm-hmm. by having something that we regularly like um, then that's a huge benefit yep. regardless of what calorie content there is, and I think sometimes we focus too much on on what the detail of, of what's in this food, and mm. you know the, the the night before a marathon, you might be out with a couple of mates that are doing the same thing at a at a pub in some random town or the Gold Coast, like yeah. like I was, and you're enjoying yourself, mm. so enjoy that that um, that aspect of it as well. But um, I guess for me, it's it's simple. It's really simple. Um, as I said before, those kind of white rice meals or um, the Powerades or like kind of the things that you probably wouldn't have more regularly in terms of um, sugar-sweetened beverages and things like that. Yeah. Just to get those um, simple carbohydrates in. Yep. And you can find it anywhere, which is helpful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know some cyclists that, um, some posts that I put up, some cyclists are like, oh, well, you know, that, that gel is worth 6 or $7. I, I just uh, literally put sugar cubes in my in my drink bottle and shake it up. So <laughs> <laughs> They've always been tied up as the cyclists. Yeah, mate. yeah. <laughs> it's because they're spending so much money on their bikes. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Six, $7, yeah, yeah, you can't justify that. Mate, I saw one of your posts uh, talking about beetroot juice that you may well have used in the, in the past. Are you, you're doing that pre-marathon? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I have been, so... Uh, I think, well, without going too deep, it's kind of the nitric oxide pathways yeah. um, kind of opens up a little bit more. And again, um, it was trial and error a couple of years ago on my part uh, where there was enough evidence for me to say this is either a neutral or positive, uh, slightly positive benefit. Mm-hmm. And I'm willing to, to kind of, and that, that's what I love about what I do is um, I kind of use myself as a bit of a guinea pig. Yeah. Um, and and then tailor what I need off that, and then obviously give that advice out to people. Yep. Um, and I'm quite clear to say that this is what the research says, and then this is my anecdotal yep. evidence because I think that's important to do mm. um, in that space. But yeah, with the beetroot juice, I've I've used that. I did use uh, powder, which was in kind of a 750 ml bottle that I was drinking the night before and then the morning of, and I found that that was way too much um, okay. liquid, and then. Um, you know, had some gut irritation off that, which is fair enough. It's mm-hmm. a lot of liquid. Yeah, sure. And in terms of getting the right dose, that was what was required. Um, but there are, and, and again, they're expensive for how big they are, but there's more concentrated versions on, online. Like a shot um, version sort of thing? Shot, yeah. 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 Um, so I've been using them since, and they were useful for Gold Coast and a few other races. So Okay. Good. Still use them. Yeah. I like the experiment of one, mate. I, I, I like it a lot. It's oh, great. yeah. I always say that you are N equals one, so yeah. you are your own science experiment. Mate, I'm, I'm a big fan. 
Mate, t- talk me through the idea of um, sleep versus getting up early for a pre-marathon meal. I know this, this race, Sydney Marathon, starts at 10 past 7, say. Mm. Do you need to be up at 3 o'clock in the morning to get some breakfast in? Uh, no is the short answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the closer we get to race start, uh, the more simple our carbohydrates be, uh, uh, should be. Uh, which means that if we are up kind of two or three hours before, and this is not possible for everyone, and that's completely fine. Um, two or three hours before, you can have something that's carbohydrate dense that um, is a bit heavier, mm. uh, if if that's something that you can do. But something like a bowl of oats or um, you know some banana and honey on bread yep. or toast, yep. um, some pikelets, jam. Um, but then you start to move towards the race and that's where I guess something like pikelet and jam is more towards race start and then your gels, um, things like lollies, uh, can be a super easy, simple, um, carbohydrate close to, close to race start. Mm -hmm. In terms of the sleep, I wouldn't be modifying anything, uh, that you haven't done in training. Um, so if you haven't done a training session at 7am or earlier Mm -hmm. and you haven't got up at um, three o'clock in the morning to do that like why are we doing that now on, on race day suddenly and yep. um, throwing your kind of schedule out so I think the more you can uh, put in the back pocket in training and, and I guess kind of four four weeks out is a prime example like this Sunday I'll be doing a race simulation with yep. nutrition and um, down with a few guys from the URC uh, where you know, it's just an opportunity to test things out and it's better that things fail now mm. than things fail on the day. So, um, so yeah, I would say that, you know, if you haven't done that before in terms of sleep versus taking in it, um, energy in mm. before you start, then then don't change that. And yeah. um, training is a great way to be like, okay, well, I woke up at, I don't know, whatever time, five o'clock um, for a seven o'clock run. I fueled well, felt good. That's you know, close to what you should be doing. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, I like that, mate. doesn't need to be overly specific there. No. Just if it feels good, yeah, do it. Yeah. And tell me, all this carb loading, you know, all this simple stuff that we're taking in, how long does our stored carbohydrates give us on race day? So how long can we start, keep burning that fuel for? Yeah, so a big uh, argument from the fat as a fuel source side is that um, we've got much more stores in our in our body of fat fuels but um, as I said before carbohydrates is king the problem is that carbohydrates can burn at a higher intensity which is what we want but they run out a lot quicker mm-hmm. um, in, in saying that it depends on the duration and the intensity of that session um, but as a very loose term, 60 to 90 minutes of you having absolutely nothing at all and going at quite a, like, let's say, race pace for a half marathon or, mm-hmm. or above, it's likely you're going to hit the wall. Yeah. Um, and that is where your body's starting to transfer into that fat as a fuel source and it needs to try and, you know, bring you back in um, in order to use that as a so it's just fuel can't source. operate at that speed, that yeah. intensity. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously highly dependent on weather and, and uh, body composition and things like that but mm. I think if you're going off that 60 to 90 minutes um, is, is really good and in, in saying that um, you, you need to prepare to be in a good position before you hit that wall mm. before that 60 or 90 minutes so if you're fueling uh, you know if you're untrained in, in, in this kind of fueling you might 
have a gel every hour or or um, if you're starting to get on top of that in training you might have one every 45 minutes 40 minutes some people have them every half an hour if their intensity is yeah. crazy high yeah. um, and they're used to it but what uh, the advice that I always give people is that um, always try and find a alert on your watch that is going to give you a nutrition beep um, and reminder that is outside of any distance or um, kind of time because uh, if you're you know if you go I'll just wait until I finish this hill or I'll wait until I get into Centennial Park in yep. the Sydney Marathon um, it could take you twice as long to get there you're having a bad day it's hotter than you thought mm-hmm. uh, and then suddenly your nutrition strategy is out the window yeah so you're, you're a fan of say setting the alarm for half an hour and we're eating our gel on the half an hour or thereabouts 7 yeah. k's or something like that yeah um, and I, I guess that's going to be a different timing for the different yeah. pace of runner but I guess we need to find that strategy and mm. um, I guess what, what I've spoken about with some uh, not, not first time half marathoners but um, they're, they're new to it I guess is is that 7k mark and that 14k mark is, is a fair enough sort of time to be taking on a gel yeah. during that you know let's call it a 90 to 100 minute kind of a half marathon yeah. they need to be getting in before they hit that wall yeah definitely you're looking after yourself at the finish line or let's say 5k's out from the finish line by mm-hmm. having by training with nutrition and having nutrition mid-race mm-hmm. um, if you're having something around that. And I, again, I would come back to a time-based thing because, um, you know, you and I running a 7K, um, you know, there's going to be disparities in, in the way that we run. So yeah. if you've always, if you and I both have a nutrition strategy of 40 minutes, mm-hmm. um, we might be at different places on the, on the run map, yeah. but we're going to both be um, nailing our nutrition so yeah between you and me you will be further ahead <laughs> at the 40 minute mark <laughs> oh, otherwise I'm bugging up something really badly <laughs> <gonna> test this <laughs> at Sydney Marrow Paddy's going to pull it out of his bum and <laughs> oh mate I bloody hope I'm not anywhere near you um, I digress quickly what what shoes will you be wearing on the Sydney Marathon you got a bit of a relationship with ASICS I believe yeah so uh, ASICS <clears throat> Meta Speed Sky I believe I okay. will be wearing so I wore them for Goldie yep. um, as a fresh fresh set um, and they're for me the ones that have rivaled the the kind of the next percents with a little bit more stability in the back of the heel yeah it's good alright I'm gonna uh, shoot across to Sean from Ronaldo and we're gonna chat about the ASICS Metaspeed Edge which I've been using very recently and, and to a uh, yeah, very similar effect so we'll, we'll head over to Ronaldo now okay down here at Ronaldo chatting to Sean the Godfather Tyndale about the ASICS Metaspeed Edge Plus how are you mate? good mate Good. Good, yeah. Got a shiny new knee since we spoke last. Yes, in between uh, review, she reviews, I've managed to pop in and uh, have a knee re- right knee replacement. And so, how's uh, the review on the new knee then? It's, it, watch this space. <laughs> All those people that used to run past me when I was limping, doing events, I'm now bionic and I'm going to come back and get you. Revenge, revenge. It's In 2025, I'm looking at. 2025. 20, yeah. We're, we're looking long term. Long term. It's good. Yeah, long term. But <laughs> maybe back end of 2024. But right. no, it's going well. Um, had a lot of swelling issues to begin with and mm. thought, why did I do this? But um, I've turned a corner and, yep. yeah, hoping to be back running oh, the end or 
the end of this year. Okay. Trying to anyway. Yeah, to teach myself to run again. So uh, looking forward to it. I love it, mate. Unstoppable. Exactly. Can't hurt. Can't hurt it anymore. Apparently, titanium. Yep. Revenge got, is good motivation too. Yes. I hear. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So uh, yeah. And mate, what can you tell me about the Asics Metaspeed Edge Plus? I've been having a go for the last few weeks, but uh, give us the the rundown. You've just done a PB, Mudgy. Mudgy, yeah. haven't you? At uh, Mudgy Half, half Marathon. So yeah. uh, you've tested it out, yeah. and Metaspeed Edge Plus is. Obviously, it's a really great sh- carbon-plated shoe. Yep, yep. Uh, and it's for those runners looking for that high-energy return. Very light. Yeah, um, 210 grams. Yeah. It so, felt light as anything. And the Edge Plus is designed to give you that forward energy. Yep. Um, to, to anyone that's got a high cadence. Okay. Runners that, you know, keeping that... Fast sort of feet. 180 beats per minute kind exactly. of style. Yep. Exactly. And obviously that full carbon plate, for me, it, it gives it that little bit of stability. Mm-hmm. Um, some carbon shoes are sort of just that they're half carbon. Half or a three-quarter. A three-quarter carbon. And yep. to me, this having that full plate just holds your foot better yep. throughout the gate, yep. um, if that makes sense, um, and just gives it that little bit of support and stability. Hmm. Um, when you're sort of getting tired, yep. um, where the three quarter or the half, when you're getting tired, you, you, your technique sort of going. It, you, you start you, planting the heel a little bit more. You I feel guess. like you're all over the shop. Yep. Yep. Um, I agree. Yeah. So this the blast turbo foam is ASIC's lightest and bounciest midsole material. Mm-hmm. So really, just it gives you that nice, quick response. Bit of pop. Pop. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Like it. And it's obviously. The shoes allowing you to conserve more energy mm. while maintaining a good pace uh, at the latter stages of the run when you're getting tired. So it's just it's it's designed to keep you when you're getting tired at back end of the race to keep that cadence up yep. and keep that propulsion Push, going pushing forward. you forward. Yeah, and, and that's what it felt like. Like mm. I, I like the shape of them in terms of that roller. Mm. Um, certainly felt like it was getting you up and over onto the it's toes an, nicely. Yeah, it's yeah. an eight millimeter drop. Mm-hmm. as well so most shoes that we wear are that eight to ten millimeter drop yep. so the difference between this and the metaspeed the metaspeed edge and the metaspeed sky plus the yep. sky is a five mil drop okay so slight difference there. slight difference there and the carbon plates are positioned differently mm-hmm. so the carbon plate is positioned lower in the Metaspeed Edge, which you've run in, mm-hmm. and it's more curved okay. at the front. Yep. So that's giving you more forward propulsion, mm-hmm. where the Metaspeed Edge, uh, Metaspeed Sky, Sky, sorry, plus, it's positioned higher and the curve is flatter. Okay. So what that is doing is giving you more of a, a higher knee lift, more, more bounce, yep. where the edge is giving you more propulsion. Forward propulsion. Forward which propulsion. Which is what we're after, I guess. Yes, and an 8 mil drop, yeah, it's, it's sort of, it suits a lot of people's running style. So yep. if you're going from, say, a, just a normal running shoe, no matter what it is, it, this sort of goes into, that's a, straight away. That 8 mil drop is quite easy to sort of convert, where a 5 mil drop, if you've had calf or Achilles problems, it yeah. can sort of tighten that up. 
Yep, not used Obviously. to that amount of drop, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And still 31 mils under the heel there, so it's a very, very cushy. Very cushy. Well. Big stack height there. Yeah. A legal stack height under that 40 mil sort of. Yes, uh, yeah. So, so that's good. You can race in these guys. Yeah. Um, plan I mean, a race on Sydney Marathon with exactly. these guys for sure. So exactly. I don't want to get, you know, DQ'd on the finish line no. for the wrong shoes. No, I don't think anyone will anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but the upper as well is a light wrap around material so it's, it's it's sort of a nice comfortable fit and it's a bit more accommodating this the edge plus than the than the, just the edge yeah. um through the toe box so i think they've, they've put a little bit more space through that just so your foot just splays more naturally yep um and it's a better midfoot hold mm -hmm. yeah. yeah and and i've obviously used the the edge and now the edge plus and definitely noticed that sort of ability to move the toes around there um and there's just no sort of hot spots on in these shoes for, for me because uh, there's enough space for everything to sort of yeah. yeah move around in front without feeling like you're wobbling around in the shoes yeah. Were, yeah nice sort of cup in the in the heel there and it felt very stable but with that ability to move the toes. So, yeah, yeah no, exactly. Really yeah, it's, it's a fantastic shoe. With um, reviews, feedback has been nothing short of positive. Yeah, so. yeah. And look, my only other sort of comparison there, last year running Gold Coast in the Nike Vaporflies, which I won't be using this time. I'll jump into these, yep. these ASICs. It just felt like much less sort of spongy and more stable the obviously the the foam is different there and, and just that sort of cupping the heel i felt like i was falling out the back of the vapor flies and just could never get the lacing right whereas these were immediately uh great fitting out of the box like it yeah. just felt like i was wearing a normal shoe but once you start getting into that race mode there is that propulsion and that lightness uh, and that speed that you kind of yeah. want out of a race shoe yeah. so yeah I was, I was impressed immediately and Ran park run, ran just a, a speed session, and then ran mudgy half on the weekend, and yeah, just just felt amazing. Absolutely no, no blistery, no hot spots. Just yeah, really yeah. comfortable straight away. Great to hear. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's what we're getting from uh, a lot of feedback from a lot of the runners. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So no. looking forward to uh, hearing the feedback. Obviously the increased in distance to the Sydney Marathon yeah. and, and seeing, yeah. I think they'll handle it fine. I think, yeah, they, they've got enough cush. They feel yep. really, yeah, really bouncy and, and definitely kept you rolling all the way through to the finish line. I do like that that shape and that, that support. So, yeah. yeah, I think we're on to a winner here, mate. Yeah. 259.59, here we come. Podium finish. <laughs> could, could be a couple of Ethiopians to get past on the way to that podium, but uh, and Chapo, who we're talking to at the moment, might be a few minutes ahead as well by the sound of things. But okay. uh, yeah, mate, we'll get there. We'll Chase get there. him down. Mate, right. what else is happening at the shop? Anything to know about? Uh, mate, everything's just ticking along nicely. Yeah, finish the soccer season. It's all over. And... Yeah, all, all that's sort of finishing up now. So more yep. getting into running. Yep. Trial seasons now starting uh, again. Yep. 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 I see uh, a lot of posts out UTA three weeks away before entries open. <laughs> Wasn't that just on? I feel yeah. like I just ran that. I feel like I just ran that. Yeah, and then no. you got Kosciuszko, Lonely Mountain. The Lonely so Mountain Ultra. Let's not well. forget that. Yeah. Up to Orange, I'll be there. Yeah. Yeah, it should be a ripper. Shout out to Scotty Hazelton, another friend of the yes. show. Yeah, yeah so, no, get, get those trail shoes on. It's time. Yes. I can't wait, actually, till after this marathon. Let's stick the trail shoes back on. I get a little bit... Uh, Get a little bit jealous of all those trail runners over in UTMB right oh, now. 
the views, the views and the, from over there, yeah. I've got to turn my Instagram off, it's killing me. Yeah. Anyway, mate, thank you for the review. Great, great shoe once again, and thanks for the support of the podcast, mate. And, yes. Uh, yeah, good luck with the cycling and the new knee. Oh, thank you. No, no worries, mate. See you soon. Thanks, Sean. Fantastic, mate. They're going to uh, bring me home 259.59, no <laughs> doubt about it. All right, so... We talked about time versus kilometer-based fueling strategies. We're going to go for the time-based. Um, look, there's plenty of hardcore 1980s runners and quite a few new runners out there who would try to get through a half marathon taking in zero calories. Obviously, we've discussed that that's, a, that's an inappropriate way to do these things. What, what are some signs that they are under-fueling? What's going to happen to them towards the back end of that race? Yeah, I think anything from subtle subtle changes say i don't know close you're close to your pb but you were 30 seconds off but and you would you trained better um for that for that um half marathon or marathon like mm. um just subtle things like that where you're like oh i probably could have um beaten that time potentially yeah uh all the way through to um you know more severe things like collapsing or or um being severely under fueled or under hydrated um there are yeah some extreme things like hypernatremia, but um, I guess for I guess a standard uh, half or, or full marathon runner, we're not we hopefully aren't, aren't getting into that space. But um, okay, so the so the answer is taking some gels. Yeah, yeah, and I, I mean gels. Um, I would say that like a lot of people probably have the argument around of like a food based approach or or a gel approach, mm-hmm. and and some people probably shy away from gels because they may see the ingredients list and see like a long list of ingredients um, and I would say they're, they're, they're fuel for a purpose. Yeah. Um, we, are, we are out there to fuel ourselves to finish the race. Mm-hmm. We're not there to um, see how many, you know, how many veggies we get in. Enjoy the taste yeah. of the thing. Yeah. 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 So you can get your five serves of veggies after, yeah. Yeah. after the race. Um, but it's, it's fuel for a purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say gels are a super convenient way to get exactly <laughs> whatever it says on the back um amount of grams of, of carbohydrates in at yep. this very specific time it almost becomes math uh, like a maths equation yeah um and so they are convenient mm-hmm. in saying that there's multiple ways to do the same thing mm-hmm. um the sugar in the water is, is one prime yep. example for sure it could be um you know vegemite on toast i think for the uta study we had someone that had ham and pickles on on bread yeah um yep. So, however you want to do it, pretty yeah, much. Yeah. But I would say gels are just a convenient way of doing that. Yeah, bang for your buck, lightweight. Yeah, yep. very simple. Yeah, can carry them with you. Yeah. They're likely on course. Yeah. Yeah, I believe so. I think goo's involved. So yeah. There you go. Yeah. Thanks, Lloydie. Um, I guess on the alternative sort of way of getting those carbohydrates in from a liquid approach, um, there's lots of powders out there that you can can use. So. How important is getting that level of carb to electrolyte mix in our bottles absolutely correct to the gram the night before the race? Do we need to get the chemistry set out or is a near enough is good enough scenario yeah. okay? Um, I put a post up about the um, Breaking Bad is one of my favourite TV series of all time. So <laughs> I don't know if anyone's seen it, but it's, uh, you know, Walter White is kind of mixing all these different things and I'm <laughs> saying this is what people are doing the, uh, the night before a race. But... Um, I, I think it comes back to the 
whether we're in the know or out of the know. And, mm-hmm. and um, if we're in the know and we're close enough to getting to those right numbers, yeah. um, it's almost like you need to educate yourself and then just pull back from it. Yeah, um, yeah I like that. Because you do that in training, you understand that you need, you know, 30, 60, 90 grams of carbohydrates per mm-hmm. hour, whatever's, you know, what, whatever you, you do in that training session. Uh, and then you pull back because you go, okay, well, I know that this certain gel has this amount in it. I'm having those every 40 minutes um, and I should be ticking the boxes. Uh, and there's multiple variables to a marathon, but uh, taking nutrition out of it as, um, as one of them is, is super useful by giving yourself peace of mind that you, you turn up to race day and you go, okay, well, that's one less thing I have to think about throughout this race. Yeah, and expending that mental energy on the run is just pulling valuable carbs out of our system too, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so definitely. Yeah, we don't yeah. need our brain, our carb-hungry brain, taking yeah. more of our fuel away. I guess. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, so yeah. maybe Walter Whiting it might be useful. <laughs> <laughs> but in saying that, like, it doesn't need to be pinpoint accurate. You know, no. there's a, there's a likelihood that you do your maths correct and then you don't actually consume the whole gel and throw it on the floor. So you know what I mean? It's not it's not a, it's not a science. But no. if you're getting close there, then um, and as I said right at the start, it's like if you're getting the basic principles right, then you can start to nuance that off, off, off the back of it. Yeah, for sure. Although I do like to get every single gram of carbohydrate out of each gel. Are you cutting it open? Or? Oh, I just suck in the life out of it. Yeah. I, think a, I think a little uh, a subtle win for me when I'm racing is if I've finished a gel and I can somehow find a bin and try and shoot and oh, get it in. That's a big win. There's a, there's a big win there. I just don't know if I'm helping out the volunteers, but there, there's so much on the floor. I don't uh, know. But at 350s, that's a pretty impressive shot, mate. I don't know if basketball's my career here. Mate, we're talking about that sort of level of carbohydrate that we're, we're hitting. So some pro runners and cyclists are looking to hit levels of 90 to 100 grams of carbohydrate per hour on race day, which is enormous. Mm. So is this achievable or even worth working towards for the average punter? Uh, yes, to both of those, <laughs> but highly dependent. Um, I, would I say that 90 to 100 is for a run? No, and definitely not if you're just starting out with, with running and racing mm-hmm. um, because uh, training your gut to do exactly what you want on race day takes just as much time as, as you actually running out there. So you can't expect your, your stomach to be able to cope with um, you know 100 grams of carbohydrates per hour yeah. of, a, say, a four-hour marathon. Yeah. Um, off the back of nothing. Mm. Um, if you've trained close to that or in those in that right ballpark of, say, you're taking in 90 grams of carbohydrates um, and you felt really good in that training session, then, yeah, by all means. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's definitely something you need to train your gut to do. And, and those professional triathletes or endurance runners have been doing this for years. Mm. They have sports scientists on their side and they almost have that completely dialed in. Yeah, for sure. And I guess... The- to give listeners a, an idea of what that might look like, like 90 grams of carbs is three Morton gels in one hour. So yeah. you know, that's yeah. a ton of gels that you're carrying with you. Yeah, so every 20, yeah, every 20 minutes for a tap of Morton gel, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it's, it is difficult to get to, but I guess in essence, if you can and you're comfortable to do so, the more carbohydrate, the better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it all depends on intensity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the difference between, if you're if you can do a, 215 marathon right um your intensity is quite high for that 215 if you if that same person then goes to run a four hour marathon 
um, they probably don't need as much fuel because their intensity isn't so high. Yep. Whereas if you are a four-hour marathon person, your intensity is probably higher. Mm-hmm. Well, it is higher than the person that can run a 215. So, yep. um, you know, it's it depends on intensity and duration, mm-hmm. really. So, yeah, let, let's compare that. That's 215 versus four-hour marathoner. So that's their that's their potential there, and they're they're operating at their their highest level. Their caloric sort of intake needs to be very similar, doesn't it? Sort of yeah, per, to per a certain, hour to a certain degree. Yeah, um, obviously highly dependent on gut irritability and and training load and things like that. Um, but yeah, I mean the longer you're out there and how high that intensity is, mm-hmm. um, um, and that you know it depends on the whether it's the half marathon or the full and what your heart rate's sitting at and things like that. But yeah. um. These are all things, as I said, you are the science experiment that mm-hmm. um, hopefully some of these um, tips and tricks you can take away into training, mm-hmm. whether it's for Sydney or, you know, these these uh, these tips and tricks aren't going anywhere anytime soon. It's not like things like in the social media world flip on their head every um, couple of months. Yep. So it's, it's likely that even if the science changes, it's going to be very nuanced in one direction rather than... Um, completely changing a dramatic change yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, can't, I can't imagine um, one, one thing that dogs the, the, the new marathon or many marathoners in general is cramping uh, is this something that we can help by fueling ourselves properly fueling ourselves properly yes um, I, I did a bit of a deep dive into, into cramps and there's still there's still quite a bit that's unknown um, they think that they understand the mechanism of why um, but not the actual why mm-hmm. why we cramp. Um, a lot of people think it's that kind of dehydration electrolyte imbalance, um, and cramps do happen in hotter, more humid environments. Mm-hmm. But they correlate. It's just a correlation there where we're probably um, not as well hydrated in those environments as as opposed to like particularly blaming um, an electrolyte imbalance. Yeah. And so for that reason, a lot of people go, okay, well, it's, I need to increase my sodium and magnesium. Um, which is, I mean, it's useful mm. overall. Um, it's not the silver bullet. Though. But yeah, whether that's the actual cause of cramps um, is still out for debate. Mm-hmm. Um, in the research, it says that well-trained, well-hydrated and well-fueled athletes cramp less. Okay. That's pretty much the takeaway. Simple. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't go into the weeds too much with, um, with the cramps because, um, yeah, as I said, there's not... There is some uh, level that we don't know mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the mechanism kind of space, but um, the more you're training um, and the, the better you're fueling, especially in hot environments, yep. um, the, the, the less likely you are to cramp. Yep, love it, mate. That's good. Very simple, sensible advice. What about uh, the role of caffeine in a marathon, mate? Are you a fan of intake there? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, caffeine is one of the only legal ergogenic aids mm-hmm. and an ergogenic aid is a performance enhancer yep. um so i think it's wise to experiment with caffeine as as a runner um especially if you're racing um and it doesn't caffeine in itself doesn't give us any energy it, it blocks inhibitors to kind of make us feel more alert or less tired um and how that translates into a performance sense is that uh, we have a better rate of perceived exertion when we have caffeine on board. So if I was to go out and run a 10K uncaffeinated, I might go, oh, that was a 9 out of 10 for me, that hurt. 
uh, if I was caffeinated for the exact same race, same terrain, everything, uh, I might go, okay, well, I either ran a little bit quicker or that was a 7 out of 10 for mm-hmm. me. So mm-hmm. I felt better in that in that um, exercise. Yep. Um, so again, caffeine in itself is not the energy. We still need those carbohydrates. But when we couple that with caffeine, it can be a super handy tool. Again, it needs to be tested because if you're, if you're used to... Um, if you're used to taking in uh, a certain amount of caffeine and suddenly you've uh, taken a supplement that has double the amount or something, 300 milligrams of caffeine, yep. um, there's this sweet spot between performance enhancement and uh, gut irritability. Course, and I mean, yeah. you don't want to be sitting on the portaloo as the starter gun goes off. So um, no, we've all, we've all seen the photos of Rob Ducastella coming down the, the finishing <laughs> shoot. There, we don't oh, want to be that guy. If that's, uh, I feel like that's everyone's biggest fear to be like, am I going to have my photos with me? <laughs> uh, yeah, finishing the race with uh, yeah, poo run down the leg. Fantastic, fantastic. <laughs> and look, as an experiment of one, what what is your strategy in terms of caffeine? Just to give people somewhere to start from in terms of maybe some experimentation there. Uh, yeah, again, uh, the sci- the art versus the science. The science again for this one is uh, quite high. It um, I think it's something like three to six milligrams per kilogram of body weight yep. in the lead up to a race, mm-hmm. um, which by the time you do the maths is uh, almost a, a standard coffee is around ninety to one hundred milligrams, yep. and by the time you times out your body weight, you're kind of looking at like three or four um, coffees, coffees to, yeah. which is quite high. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's when you start to get you know potentially a little bit fidgety or there's some heart rate uh, rising. Sort yeah, of stuff. yeah, yeah. So um, I would suggest to people to to just start to, and this goes for gels as well, to start flicking over the back of the packet and start mm-hmm. to look at. Um, what you're getting per if you're comparing the products then look per 100 grams Mm -hmm. to say okay well this has more in it overall but when you're actually thinking of what you're intaking you need to look at per serve um, for say a gel or 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 caffeine in a say a red bull or or a caffeinated gel Mm -hmm. Um, most kind of sit around that 90 to 100 milligrams which is a good space to trial Um, and I would say for new people if they're used to habitual coffee drinking then um that's comfortable yeah that's yeah. that's fine yeah. and i think the uh i went into a bit of a deep dive on this around you know potentially having a break from caffeine before a race and and then coming back to it there's no evidence to suggest that you, you need to do that mm-hmm. um even if you don't get the buzz from coffee to think oh i'm on this high you will still get that performance benefit if there's um a decent half decent amount of caffeine in your system even yeah. if you can't like feel that you're different mm-hmm. um, so, yeah. a- so you don't need a break from ca- if you love your coffees in the morning keep doing that up until a race day um, and then figure there'll out be, what you have there'll be plenty of happy runs oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mind, I'm sure. give it the green tick of, uh, of approval for that oh, I'm sure yeah. they're very happy with you right now mate that's good What's, uh, what's your stance on, I guess, carrying fuel and fluid during a marathon versus relying on what's going on in the, uh, the aid stations? Um, I, I think, you know, at, at a three to four hour kind of level for, for a marathon versus a 220, mm. I, I think there's a, there's a different kettle of fish there. Yeah. Uh, I definitely think carrying something, at least something, is, is definitely worthwhile because you've hopefully trained with that, you know mm. what it is. Um, but 
in saying that, if you're having something every 40 minutes for four hours, um, are you capable of carrying all of that without a backpack potentially? Like you, you don't want to be carrying a backpack for a marathon. No. Um, so if that's the case and you do the maths that you're having, you know, 10 or more um, gels and you're like, okay, this is too much to actually stick in pockets or anything like that. Mm. Um, that's when you need to look at alternate ways of fueling. And I would say not relying on um, what's on the tables at race marathons um, is a good start, mm. but that's not always um, great in practice. So um, the alternative to that is to research online what company is is um, fueling that. There's always going to be water in the aid station, but what electrolyte company or, or carbohydrate gel company is going to be part of that. Mm -hmm. Research potentially what's going to be out on course and know that it's going to be a gel that has 30 grams of carbohydrates. I've had it before. I know that it's a bit more gluggy than my usual one or a bit more viscous. Um, and that way you're in the know. You know what's going on and you can say, okay, well, I've run out of my stuff. That's completely fine. I know that every five three down. kilometers, five kilometers from here on in, I can have something. Um, so that that's a good way of looking at it. And I think... I think another strategy leading into the back end of a marathon is is potentially looking towards more liquid calories as well. Mm -hmm. um, it is often hard to kind of chew your way through like some of those thicker gels towards yep. back end and that's when you start to kind of dry heave a little bit and mm -hmm. there's a few spew piles at the 35k mark. <laughs> uh, but liquid yeah. calories may yeah. get you out of that um, space. But again, you've got to make sure that there's enough in there to actually get you home as well. Yeah, of course. And I often found... A difficulty there just the, the actual volume of I guess liquid that you yeah. might need to consume to get the same amount of calories so yeah yeah it's a, it's a bit of a fine balance there I think that's why you need to get your Walter White out again and be like okay well I know that that needs to be a uh, you know a higher concentration mm -hmm. in that bottle yep. if it's if, if I want more less fluid and more carbohydrate in it so, yeah, yeah for sure yeah oh, man, that's, that's some great information so we've, we've, we've achieved our goal we've, we've got to the finish line in you know in my case 259 <laughs> um, what What's, what's the best thing to do straight afterwards? Um, enjoy yourself. <laughs> um, I don't know. Celebrate, celebrate what you've done. I mean, you've spent the last, whatever, 12 weeks not spending time with your family or your partner or whatever. So I'd, Forget I'd, about food for a while. Oh, I just think that... Um, and I get asked this all the time whenever I do something, uh, you know, stupid or mm. <laughs> crazy, is that people go, oh, what's next? And I'm like, well, yeah. just let me enjoy this for half a minute yeah, <laughs> yeah. something um but from a nutrition perspective the four main ones we want to tick off and it, again it doesn't matter how this comes really mm. is protein for uh kind of muscle um rebuilding yep. carbohydrates to replace electrolytes to replace what's been lost mm. and fluids mm -hmm. you can get that in foods in in drinks in you know however you want to do it and i mean a lot of people they're going to finish the marathon. They're going to go with a couple of their mates to a cafe somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, just making sure that you've got some sort of protein source, um, some carbohydrates, fluids, and electrolytes. Yep. Okay. Not not too difficult. And I mean, I feel like if you're using that as a um, 
as the foundation, you can kind of, you can personalize that however you wish. Yeah, yeah of course. And, and not forgetting there's about 375 mils worth of fluid in a can of beer. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> roughly. He's done, roughly. <laughs> He's done the maths. That's Lots right. of white over here. That's right. It's not a lot of electrolytes, unfortunately, <laughs> but uh, we can get that elsewhere, I guess. You know, some, some salty stuff somewhere else. I, mean, I think we've, we've covered off on some, some, some great marathon stuff. I think Sydney Marathon, uh, yeah, participants will be yeah, well, well versed by now. That's, that's perfect. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. So I, I wanted to quickly sort of touch on a couple of uh, bizarre nutritional myths that you might have busted over the last sort of six months, mate. I know yeah. that's one of, your, one of your big things. Yeah. What can, what can you give us? Um, I'm just trying to think of some that are popping up at the moment. Uh, I think IV therapies are starting to pop up a little bit okay people are trying to get their nutrients through um their Stick, veins sticking the needle in their own rather than um rather than orally and i think iv therapy in a clinical setting is super useful <laughs> i mean yeah. uh, um, doctors use that every single day of the week for sick um, humans yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, i would say that iv therapies from a risk perspective they're quite uh, they're a lot riskier to get <laughs> Uh, very specific nutrients into your system that you may not know if you're deficient in. Mm-hmm. And if you're not deficient in them, you're probably just having a very expensive trip to the bathroom. <laughs> um, you, you, you'll probably feel good after it because you're well hydrated. You've probably got electrolytes in your system, but cool. it's no different to having a pretty decent um, hydration strategy or nutrition strategy. So I would argue mm-hmm. that uh, instead of spending $250 on IV therapy, um, come get some veggies and you know <laughs> again not too many people are having their five serves of veggies and, and then sure. suddenly we're going out to spend you know 90 to 100 200 dollars on, on those sort of things so that's that's kind of i don't know that's good man something that i kind of <laughs> see at the moment that are that are just before they're trending i can kind of see this one coming up okay and yep. um i like trying to find things to nip it in the bud before it blows up too much and it mm. becomes mainstream you're like oh this is Nightmare. It's an extreme step to, uh, you know, getting your, your, your vitamin and minerals in, surely. Like. Yeah, yeah. I just think that there's certain things that will have their time where they'll have a little wave of like, oh, this is cool and, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Uh, different and things like that. And it's like, you know. And I guess it's the pointy end of the plane, I guess, that's going to be able to afford such a, such a step anyway, as opposed mm. to going to the fruit and veg shop and, and buying a few bits and yeah. pieces there. Yeah, I mean, if you want to do it, that's um, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you probably feel better, as I said, after it. But, um, I'm too scared of needles, mate. I don't, oh, it's not so why, yeah. yeah. I think I've tried to give blood a couple of times and I, I don't know, I've ended up on the floor at one point. Like. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so IV therapy is not for you. No, 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 you won't see me there. That's perfect. <laughs> mate, you, you're by far my favourite nutritional influencer. Uh, as, as runners, one of the most effective hacks on performance that we can manage is to keep our general health in good shape if you had to pick three pieces of nutritional advice that keep us out of trouble what would they be um uh, i think one is from a kind of curation point of view or, or how you feed into the information that you see we see information all the time on every platform every day of the week mm-hmm. um so just putting on that kind of bullshit meter yep. on yourself to be like okay well where's this come from? Is it credible? Is it reliable information? Um, is, can it be repeated on multiple different reliable sources? Mm-hmm. And if that's usually a no and there's some underlying monetary value to something like that, it's like, oh, okay, well, I'll, I'll kind of, um, I'll wait to hear a little bit more on that topic before Hold I off. dive yeah. in. So from a um, information intake point of view, that's super handy. Yep. 
Um, from a nutrition point of view, I do think that protein is probably overlooked a lot, especially in the endurance space. Um, mm. Protein historically is seen as a bit of a gym junkie kind of um, uh, supplementation. Mm-hmm. Um, the more I've dived into different nutrition spaces, it just keeps coming back to protein where um, whether it's weight loss, whether it's um, performance, um, protein is super useful in terms of our protein intake across the day, week in, week out. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be super handy for performance. Um, so so look at where your protein intake is uh, and if you have no idea, then the rough guide is 1.6 to 2.2 grams per kilogram per day. Okay. Um, so do the maths on what you what you weigh, um, and then there are some tracking apps. Don't need to do them, but just start to again look at the back of the packet to say, okay, well if this is protein powder that has forty grams, and I'm trying to aim for one hundred and sixty grams, um, and then I have some chicken at night, like where do I sit roughly? Mm-hmm. Am I getting if I need to get one hundred and sixty or one hundred and eighty? Am I sitting at thirty grams per day, or am I sitting at one hundred and fifty? Am I close? Yeah, am I close? So. Protein's super handy, um, especially when you're having those big weeks um, where yeah. you need a lot of muscle recovery uh, yeah. for, the, for those sessions. Third, um, oh, I don't know. Yeah, curating, curating your feed is one. Mm-hmm. Protein. Uh, I think an unsung hero, and I'll always um, promote this, is, is fiber. Mm-hmm. Uh, so fiber is super useful. We get it from whole grains and our fruit and veg. Um, we should be aiming for 25 to 30 grams of fiber per day. Um, and in terms of the variability in uh, the, the kind of veggies that we... Like, if we're aiming for roughly 30 veggies a week, mm-hmm. which is, again, hard to get to. Yep. Five a day, though, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So... Um, if you're getting a bit of variety, you're getting quite a decent amount of fiber. And what fiber does is in your um, gut, it creates a very healthy um, gut microbiome. Mm-hmm. And the best analogy that I have from a gut microbiome is thinking of the, the floor and the ceiling being a, a dense forest with a lot of um, diversity of trees and shrubs and all that sort of thing. If you are not eating well with nutrient-dense food, your forest is quite bare. Mm-hmm. Um, there's only a couple of... Um, uh, different species, I guess, of yep. bacteria in your gut. Whereas um, when we have a high fiber diet, lots of plants in our in our diet, um, then that is a very dense population. You're more likely to starve off illness. You're more likely to live a healthy life. You've mm-hmm. got a, you know, there's a lot of research around the um, gut brain axis at the moment. So yep. um, fiber is probably my third one. Love it, mate. So turn off the bullshit meter. <laughs> a little bit more protein, a little bit more fiber for most people. Definitely. And, and in terms of tracking that, uh, talk about some, some tracking apps. What do you tend to use? What? Um, so I kind of use two main ones with the people that I work with, and that's MyFitnessPal and Easy Diet Diary. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, these aren't things that should be used... Um, until the end of time and that you start thinking of every single food as mm. having X amount of this and that, no. um, that defeats the purpose of food and culture and <laughs> enjoying friendships. Um, but to do that for a day or two, every mm. six or 12 months, yep. you, you go, okay, well, I am hitting my protein target or I'm nowhere near my fiber target for the day. Or um, It's just being informed. 
and then you know that an egg has roughly X amount of protein or, or yep. something in it, and then you can work off that. Yeah, that's good. I've sort of done it for a week. Yep. Here and there, like quite rarely, but it gives you a nice indicator as to, yeah. to where you're sitting there. It's so. just, again, it's just a good tool. Yeah. Um, and I think that they're on the flip side of that, we can go into that kind of eating disorder, mm-hmm. disordered eating space, um, which is quite dangerous. Um, but yeah, again, it's a super useful tool if it's used in the right context. Yeah, I think, I think you know, the, the main focus is arming yourself with knowledge and then turning that off. Yeah, in, in, in the same way you're talking about your, your marathon fueling strategies, you know, yeah. arm yourself with knowledge and then forget about it and just relax. Yeah, definitely, um, definitely. Um, so yeah. simple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's taken 12 years of my life to <laughs> get to a single point, but hopefully it makes it easier for other people. Oh, well, you've absolutely distilled that knowledge down into some really digestible stuff and it's it's, it's unreal for, for myself and the consumers to, to check out. So thank you. Um, good luck with the my my health pledge not my fitness yeah. pledge my, my health pledge and yeah. hopefully everyone can jump on and have a look at that and uh, yeah do something good for their their long term health over the next you know few weeks so good luck with Sydney Marathon mate thank I'll, you I'll, too I'll see you out there yeah yeah thank you uh, I'll see you at the finish line <laughs> for a beer hopefully yeah yeah absolutely that, that <laughs> refueling strategy is, is sound we'll do that first and then we'll have a beer <laughs> <laughs> alright mate thank you chat mate alright mate see you soon see you later